Or are you still doing good? Are you excited to be at church today? Is anybody really excited to be at church today? It's a good day. It's a good day to be here. I know I'm excited about this new series that we're starting. I want to say hi to those of you that are watching online. We're excited that you've tuned in. And for those of you that are in the room today, uh, what a great day to be at church. Amen. And we're beginning this brand new series called We Are the Church. And just to kind of give you a little overview of where we're going over the next three weeks uh, leading up to Eastern Impact. In this series, we're going to be answering this question, what is the purpose of the local church? Another way that we could phrase that is, why are we here? <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a good question, a good way to put it. What's the purpose? Why, why is the church here? Why is, why is this church here? Why are churches uh, planted and started and all of those things? And we're going to be talking about uh, some of what the church is not meant to be, but mostly we're going to be talking about what the church is supposed to be, what the church is supposed to be. And in this series, in fact, our overall theme is going to be this. The church is a place to serve, to be connected, and to live on mission for God's kingdom. The church is a place to serve, to be connected, and to live on mission for God's kingdom. And today as we kick this series off, I want you to, I want you to look to the person on your left or to your right, and I want you to announce the title of my message today. I want you to tell them, Teams and Tents. Teams and tents. Teams and tents. That's what we're talking about. That's our subject for today. And I, I thought it, I found this interesting, and so I wanted to read it to you guys as we get started today. This is uh, these are, are some details from an article by Consumer Reports, and maybe you'll maybe you'll find yourself in one of these uh, scenarios as we go through this portion of the message. But it says. It was reported that one out of ten Americans, so one out of ten, just say in this room, said that they would not give up their Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, or in our community you could even say Paris Coffee, habit, even if their income dropped dramatically in a failed economy. <laughs> so one out of ten of you sitting in this room today, if you lost your job or something went completely south, you're not giving up. Starbucks. <laughs> you're not giving up Paris coffee, and now that Dunkin' Donuts is here, you're not giving up Dunkin' Donuts either. One out of ten people said that even if I lost my job, even if things went south, even if it, it was a terrible economy, the one thing I'm not giving up is my coffee. I'm not making it at my house. I'm going to go through the drive-thru, which at Paris coffee is 15 cars long, it seems like, and you sit there for 30 minutes because so many people, it's such a popular place to be, right? It's good stuff. According to the same article, one survey found that Americans hold tightest, okay, so we grab onto this more than anything, to at-home entertainment. At-home entertainment. Same article. And when asked, what is the last thing, okay, what is the last thing you would cut back on in order to economize, 38% of people said they would never get rid of television, including premium cable, satellite, and streaming services like Netflix and Hulu. Where are my Netflix people at? Where are my Hulu people at? 38% <laughs> of people said that even if the economy went south, even if I lost my job, even if, even if things weren't working out, one-third of us, or a little more than one-third of us in the room, are not giving up TV, <laughs> right? Like, we'll sell the kids, 
we'll, <laughs> we'll sell the car. We'll do whatever we got to do, but we're not. We're keeping our TV, right? Got to keep our Netflix. Got to keep our satellite. Got to, you know, we got to be able to do that thing in the evening. And here's here's the danger and the reason why I'm reading this to you today. It's because as Americans, we like to be able to spend on ourselves, don't we? If you remember, I think it was back around Christmas, we were talking about the percentage of people that buy Christmas gifts for themselves during the Christmas season. And I don't remember exactly what that statistic was now, but it was pretty crazy, the amount of people that when you go Christmas shopping, you're like, oh, I like that. You buy Christmas, I don't know if you wrap it for yourself or what, and open it up, but the percentage was was crazy, the people that, that like to spend on themselves, and we like to... And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. I spend on myself too. There's nothing wrong with spending on yourself. But have you ever met someone who was addicted to shopping? You ever known somebody that was addicted to going to, you know, we don't have, really have a mall here in Paris. But, you know, if you go to Dallas or you go to Sherman, you know, the shopping mall there. And, you know, you've ever known somebody that was just addicted. You're like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you make that much money. Because you're just spending money all the time, and I don't know what job you have, but I need that job because <laughs> so, there's something there. Or maybe you've been the person that was addicted to spending money or shopping or spending on yourself. Or would would your entertainment be something that you would struggle with giving up if you were having to cut back? If you were having to, to figure out, okay, what are we going to budget for and this is what we can afford, would your entertainment, would your TV, your satellite, your Netflix, whatever, would that be something that you would say, "Mm -mm, I'm not giving that up. I'm not giving that up. I'll give up anything, but I'm not getting, you know, I'll walk to work, but I'm not giving up my TV time, right? Or maybe it's the coffee habit. I don't know. And if we're not careful, our common attitude can become this, and you need to write this down. It It can easily become my comfort is my number one priority. If we're not careful in life, we can, without even really knowing it, without even realizing it a lot of times, our comfort will become our number one priority. The thing that I'm looking out for the most is, am I comfortable? The thing that I'm looking out for the most is, is this something that I would want? The thing, and, and, we're, and we're not really thinking about other people, we're thinking a lot about ourselves because our comfort is our number one priority and if we're really not careful this same mentality can creep into the church that it's more about it's more about my comfort than it is about what God said it's more about my comfort than what I feel like God's leading me to do it's more about my comfort I just want to be comfortable and by all means we want you to we want you to walk into this building and feel comfortable we want you to grab your coffee grab a muffin, <laughs> grab something, come sit down and just enjoy the presence of God and enjoy what God's doing in this room and in this building. We want you to be comfortable, but if we're not careful, it'll slip in there to where all of a sudden my comfort becomes the number one priority above everything else. And I don't think I don't think that this is the way that the church is supposed to operate. And I don't think that's what God intended, and here's the reason why, and it's the title for this whole series. It's because we are the church. I don't know if you noticed, but you didn't walk into a church building today. <laughs> you walked into a venue where during the week there's a wedding or there's a concert or there's all this stuff. So I don't know if, I don't know if you've ever wrapped your mind around this, but we are the church. Can I, like, you are the church, <clears throat> I am the church, 
And the church is more than what we do here on a Sunday. The church isn't, you know, hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. We went to church. That's become our, you know, terminology in our culture and living in the Bible Belt. We went to church, but the church is you. The church is me. It's not a building. In fact, here's how Paul said it when he was writing about this same topic to the Christians in Corinth. These are, these are believers that he's writing to. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. says, there is one body, but it has many parts. Even though it has many parts, they make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Greeks. In other words, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you've, you've been saved for 30 years, been saved for a minute. It doesn't matter what your background is. It's all the same. We were all given the same spirit to drink. The body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, well, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. Is it still part of the body? And suppose the ear says, I am not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. It is still part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. Let me just stop there for a minute. I was going to keep reading, but let me just stop there. God has put, God has put something in you exactly how he wanted it in you. He's given you a gift or a talent or a passion or a desire for something, and it's in you for a reason. And not every person in this room is alike. So you might be passionate about something, and you might love doing this or doing that, and I'm the complete opposite. I may not like that. This may be my passion over here or my desires over here, but it doesn't mean that, that just because you're an eye and I'm an ear that neither one of us are really as important as the other. Everybody's just as important in the body. Verse 19, if all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts, but there is only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we can't do without. The parts that we think are less important we treat with special honor. The private parts aren't shown, but they are treated with special care. The parts that can be shown don't need special care. But God has joined together all the parts of the body, and he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of each other. Come on, can I get an amen there? All of them will take care of each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Come on, look, look to the person to the left and tell them, you have a part to play. And now look to the person, everybody looking to their left, and the other person is looking the opposite direction. <laughs> look to the other person and tell them, you have a part to play. Everybody has a part to play. Paul is telling us that every one of us has a role to play, and no role is too small. Come on, don't you think that just because, you know, well, I only can do this. Really? Because if you're only a toe, it makes a difference when we ain't got one toe. <clears throat> if, if you think, well, I'm only a finger, 
We'll try going with only nine. Every, every part of the body is important. And nobody's more important than the other. No, nothing, Paul's saying there's nothing that's too small. So you can't look at me and I can't look at you and think, well, you only do this or you only do that. Or, well, you know, they're more, they're more talented. No, we all have different giftings and different talents and different things. Come on, think about it in the Bible if you've read the story about the master who gave, you know, there were three different individuals and one of them got one talent. Somebody got five and somebody got ten. It doesn't mean that any of the other ones was more important than the other. It was just the master said, God said, you know what? This is what I've called you to do, and this is what I've called you to do, and this is what I've called you to do, and if everybody will just do what they're supposed to be doing, then the body all works, and it operates. You have a part to play. I have a part to play. And how do we play that part? What exactly does that mean? And here's what I believe in the context of, of the local church. It means that we're all called to play an active role in church through serving. That we're called, you and I are called to serve God by serving people. The, the way that we serve God is by serving people. The way that I serve God is by serving you. And we all have that calling. Nobody is exempt from that calling. That my, my, my purpose on earth is to serve God by serving you. By serving the people around me. We all have a part to play. This is the year, come on, our word for the year has been overflow. And we, we did a series at the beginning of the year for four weeks called Overflow. And maybe it's been about six weeks since then, and so I don't know if you've forgotten. But I would ask you the question today, have you gotten to the place yet, come on, we're middle of March. Have you gotten to the place yet where what God has given you you're allowing it to overflow on people around you. And I believe this is a part of being the church. Is that God, you, you've given me what you've given me, not so that I can consume it all, but so that I can share it with other people. Not so that I can just have more and have more and have more and have more and look at what God's doing in my life and I have more and look at what God's doing in my life, but so that, that God can bless you and then you can turn around and you can bless somebody else in your life. We're talking about overflow. Are you allowing God to overflow what he has given you onto others around you? And so if we're going to take what Paul wrote and we're going to apply it to our own lives, what does it look like? What does it look like at Impact Church for you and me to fulfill this part of being the church? And I just have two points for you today, and we're going to talk about them for just a moment. Here's the first thing, what it looks like, I believe. The first point is get on a team. Get on a team. Get on a team. If being being the church, if if being the church and, and serving God looks like serving people, then I believe that we all have a part to play and there's there's somewhere that God is wanting to use you in the body. There's somewhere that God's wanting to use you in the body. And I don't know, maybe you haven't figured it out yet. Maybe, you know, you're you're trying to figure out what's what would be best? Where am I best fit? What am I passionate about? I don't know what that looks like for you, but we all have a part to play. So are we playing that part? And there's no better time than the present to get on a team and start making an impact. That's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole idea behind the name of this church was that we just wouldn't be, you know, we just wouldn't come in here and have great services and hear, 
you know, messages and, and then walk out and not be the church, but that every person would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and then go out and make an impact. To know God and find freedom from things in your past and discover what you're designed to do and what your giftings are so that you can use that to overflow onto everybody around you and make an impact. Here's what I believe. God will develop you as an individual, but he wants to use you on a team. God will develop you as an individual, but he wants to use you on a team. Why? Because together, we can make a greater impact than any one person can alone. I know I've said this multiple times, but 150 people can make way more of an impact than one. And it's not because anybody's more important than the other. It's just the simple fact that 150 people can do a lot more than one person can do. When 150 people get together and join together and say, this is what we're called here to do, and this is our city, and we're going to see God move, and we're going to see God do what he wants to do, and I'm going to play my part. I'm going to play my part. We're better together. God wants to use you on a team to make people feel welcome. And God wants to use you on a team to pour into the lives of our kids so that they'll always remember. Come on. The, the, the way that we've structured our kids' ministry is so that kids will know that God made them, God loves them, and Jesus wants to be their friend forever. What, a, what better foundation than for your kids to walk out of iKids every week and have learned either that God loves me, God made me, and Jesus wants to be my friend forever. And as they grow up and they're thinking, you know what, God made me. This is He made me on purpose, for a purpose. That I'm not messed up, that I'm not, you know, don't need to be like anybody else, that God made me this way. And man, we have an opportunity, we have tons of people that serve over there and have the opportunity every single week to reinforce that in, the, in these kids with Bible story and activities and games and different things so that they'll know that God made me, God loves me, and Jesus wants to be my friend forever. God wants to use you on a team. He wants to use you to make sure that the building is set up and ready for all the people that God is bringing on that weekend. God, he's going to develop you in a personal relationship but then he wants to put you on a team because a team of people, how many of you know one person cannot show up and set up church? But a team of people can. One person can't teach 50 kids on a Sunday, but a team of people can. One person can't run the lights, the media, the podcast, the recording. Every One person can't run all that, but a team of people can. One One person can't can't do what a team of people can do. He wants to get you on a team, on a team. God wants to use your giftings on a team to impact people's lives. And here's what I believe, that we don't have to serve, we get to serve. We don't, nobody, nobody has to serve, but we look at it as an opportunity, like I, I get to serve. I get to set up today because somebody's life's going to be changed. I get to, to hang pipe and drape because these kids are going to learn something today that's going to change the foundation of their life forever. We don't have to serve. We get to serve. And God wants to use you on a team. And everything matters. Every part matters. 
And I believe we need to be actively seeking to serve the body. Actively seeking to serve the body. And maybe you're asking this question, why do I, why do I need to be serving? Okay, so you're talking about, like, I've got, you know, I've got the theme of the message. <laughs> so why do, I, why, do I, why do I need to be serving? What is, what's the importance in getting on a team? Like, what's, what's the big deal? You know, I'm perfectly content doing things the way I'm doing it. What's the, what's the point in getting on a team? It's because serving God by serving others is something that brings life to you. And let me, let me say it this way. I want to use two different C's for an example. Now, many of you if, you, if you've read your Bible or maybe you've heard a story and you've heard these mentioned, but there's the Sea of Galilee and there's a sea called the Dead Sea. Now, we can already tell which one's the good one. <laughs> there's the Sea of Galilee and then there's a sea called the Dead Sea. And I want to read this to you because as I was researching this, I found this interesting that it says, unlike the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee is pretty, with rich, colorful marine life. There are lots of plants and lots of fish, too. In fact, the Sea of Galilee is home to over 20 different types of fish. Same region, same source of water, and yet while one sea is full of life, the other is dead. How come? The Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee and then flows out. The water simply passes through the Sea of Galilee in and then out, and that keeps the sea healthy and vibrant with marine life. But the Dead Sea is so far below the mean sea level that it has no outlet. The water flows in from the Jordan River. So the Jordan River flows into both of these bodies of water. And one of them is alive and vibrant and there's all kinds of life and plants and, and fish and all of this stuff. The other one is dead. It says... It has no outlet. The water flows in from the Jordan River but does not flow out. There are no outlet streams. It is estimated that over a million tons of water evaporates from the Dead Sea every day, leaving it salty, full of minerals, and unfit for any life. A million, let me put it this way, a million, whatever, I don't even remember what it was now. <laughs> I'm trying to take somewhere. A million tons. How many of you know a million tons is a lot? A million tons of water is evaporate. Let's say it this way. A million tons of water is wasted every day in a sea that is connected to a river that is connected to another sea. And on one sea is alive, the other sea is dead. And the only difference is that the sea that is alive allows water to flow in, and then it flows out. This sea that is dead allows water to flow in and does not go anywhere. The water flows in, but it's just wasted. It evaporates, and it makes it salty, and nothing can live in that sea. Because there is no outlet. There is no, way for, there is no way for what's coming in to be poured out into somebody else's life. And that's why I believe it's so important. It's not because, it's not because we're just trying to collect as many people and let's do all that. No, it's, it's, it, there's something in it for you. We want something for you. And, and the reason that I believe people are most fulfilled when they're serving God by serving people is because it brings life. 
It brings life. There's something that happens when you're serving God by serving people. When you're on a team and you're doing something for the kingdom and you're doing something that's benefiting and you look around and you think, wow, the church is growing and wow, look how many people got saved today and wow, look how many people were baptized this year and wow, look at what we're doing. Look at what we're doing all because we're on a team. All because we're on a team and we're playing our part. I love what D.L. Moody wrote. He said this, what makes the Dead Sea dead? Because it is all the time receiving, never giving out anything. Why is it that many Christians are cold? Because they are all the time receiving and never giving out anything. Why is it that sometimes we're, it's like, man, I just don't feel fulfilled. I just don't know that I'm getting anything. I just don't know. Can I tell you that, that what you get is more about what you give than it is about what you hear? What you get, and so... So sometimes we, we, we say, well, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything. I, don't, I just don't know what's going on in my life. I don't know what's wrong. Maybe, 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 maybe it's because you need to look at what you're giving out. Is what's flowing in, is what God is giving you flowing through you into other people's lives? Is what God is blessing you with being used to overflow onto other people's lives? Because that's where the life is found. It's only when we're taking what God has given us and blessed us with and using it to serve and bless others that we are healthy, vibrant, and alive. And we can even say it like this if you like equations, that consuming plus contributing equals life, but consuming minus contributing equals death. If you consume all that God has for you, but you're never allowing him to use you, there will be no fulfillment. The, the, it'll, it'll, be like, it'll be like you don't understand why I don't, be, I don't feel like I'm getting anything. I don't know why I don't feel fulfilled. I don't know what, what I need to change, what I need to do. I just don't feel like my life is the way that it should be. But if you're, if you're consuming what God wants to give you, you're receiving what God wants to give you, and then you're allowing it to flow through you, it equals life. It equals life. So what does it look like at Impact Church for you and me to fulfill this part of being the church, simply this, get on a team. Get on a team. Get on a team. The second thing that God is asking us to do today, the second point, if we're going to be the church and fulfill, I believe that God is, is calling us to make room. Get on a team and make room. Make room. Everybody say make room. I don't know if I'm, if I'm preaching it asleep or if I'm, you know, maybe, maybe you feel like your toes are stepped on and you're just trying to pick your feet up off the ground or what. Come on, somebody say make room. Make room. I believe this is what God is calling us to do, to get on a team and make room. We all have a part to play. We all have somewhere on a team that God wants to use us to impact people. And so why are we so focused on reaching people and showing them Jesus and making an impact in our city? I believe it's because there are more, I want you to get this, there are more people that need to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and they be fulfilling what God has called them to do to make an impact. This is not it. I said this is not it. I believe there are more people that God is calling us to reach. And he wants to use you and me 
to reach people in this city for Jesus. Come on, we've seen lives change. We've seen people transform. We've seen God move. We've seen incredible things. But I don't believe, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I, think we're just, I think we're just getting in to what God wants to do. But he's, but he's telling us, here's how, here's how you can be the church. Get on a team and make some room. Get on a team and make room. I like to say it this way. We exist as a church for people who are not here yet. Let me say it again because it's that good. We exist as a church for the people that are not sitting next to you right now. We exist as a church for the people that are still out there that are looking for what we know in here. But we just need to, we just need to get them. We need, we need God to just get a hold of their heart. We need God to just, to just, you know, and God wants to use us, and I'm trying not to get ahead in this series because I want to take you somewhere in this series, but, but there are more people that God wants to know him. And he has, put a, he has put a mission on our heart as a church to reach the people that nobody else is reaching and to go after the people. Come on, we just sang a song about how God, how God leaves the 99 righteous people to go find one. Aren't you... <laughs> Here's, here's what I want you to understand. At one point, you were the one. <laughs> and it's easy for me to be like, well, why would God leave? You know, he's like 99 people worshiping him. Why would he leave 99 people worshiping him to go find the one? Well, I'm sure glad he did for me. Because we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be sitting here right now if God had not left all the people that already knew him to just chase after me and knock down all the walls and just and seek me out as the one. We've all been the one. And I think God is saying, you know what, there's more people, there, there are more people that need to know me. There are more people that need to experience my love. There are more people that need, that need to, to experience life to the fullest the way that I have intended from the very beginning for them to experience life. And they're looking for it and looking for it and looking for it. And what a shame for us to have the answer and not make room. For us to have the answer to the problem. I know what you need. I know what you're looking for. He says, make room. We have to ask ourselves, and I've had to ask myself this question pretty regularly. Is all of this, is this church, is, is what God is doing, is it about me or is it about Jesus? And it really puts it in perspective when you take a moment and you say, man. Is this about me or is this about Jesus? Is this about what, what I want? You see, we allow, sometimes we allow our comfort become our number one priority. And God's saying, oh, there's so much more. <laughs> there's so much more for you. There's so much more for the people that aren't even here yet. There's so much more that I want to do. But I just need you to make some room. I need you to make some room. And if our answer is that this is about Jesus, we have to be obedient to what Jesus is saying. And I believe this is what Jesus is speaking, what he's speaking to our church. In fact, here's the scripture that I feel the Lord is, is speaking to us as a church in this year, Overflow. It's Isaiah 54. Read a couple of verses. It says, make a large area for your tent. Spread out its curtains. Go ahead and make your tent wider. Make its ropes longer. Drive the stakes down deeper. 
you will spread out to the right and the left. Your children after you will drive out the nations that are now living in your land. They will settle down in the deserted cities of those nations. And let me just ask you this question. Isn't it, isn't it just incredible what God's doing in a church? Isn't it, three of you think it's pretty amazing? <laughs> isn't it, come on, I said, isn't it pretty incredible what God's doing in our church? And this is not about us. <laughs> this is not about a person. This is, well, it is about a person, but it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about the fact that we're saying, you know what, I'm willing to just, I'm willing to play my part. And I'm willing to make room, and I'm willing to make this about the people that are not here yet and not about me. I'm willing to look ahead and say, you know what, God, there are more things and bigger things that you want to do, and this is not about me. And so I'm willing to get out. Come on, we just, in our eye group, we just talked about the, the giant of comfort. And how co- we don't think about it because we like to be comfortable, but that comfort can actually be a giant in your life that needs to come down. Because comfort can sometimes be the enemy of what God wants to do. Because a lot of times God calls us to be uncomfortable. <laughs> He'll ask us to do something that is completely out of our comfort zone. That makes no sense at all. <laughs> and I don't know what in the world, I don't know why I'm doing this, but God told me to do it and I'm completely uncomfortable. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know what your story is, but maybe you've been there before when God asked you to do something that was out of your comfort zone. Come on, we've been seeing lives changed and people saved and people baptized and people introduced to the love of Jesus, the real love of Jesus. Kids being loved and taught, community that is happening, relationships that are being formed, all these things that God has been doing in us and through us. And I believe there are more people that God is calling us to reach. But if we're going to be able to reach them, God says you gotta, you got to play your part. Practically, it means you, you need to get on a team. You need to figure out what you're passionate about and say, you know what, God, I want to be an active part. I want to be a participant in what you're doing. And he's saying you need to make room. And with those two things today, just to make it real practical for you, what we've done, and, and I want to encourage you to pray about it and think about it and, and, if, and make a decision. But over at Impact Central today, we have registration sheets for uh, four or five of the areas in our church where you can get on a team. And I know right now you're thinking, well, he was preaching about teams and tents, but dang, he's going to make us do something. <clears throat> I'm not going to make you do anything. But I believe you have a part to play. I believe there's a reason why you're here. I believe that God's called you to do something. I believe that we should all be participants and not just spectators in reaching people for God. But there are, there are those registration sheets, and all you have to do is figure out, you know what, and there's going to be there's gonna be two or three people over there that have information that you need. So if you need to ask questions, what does this team do, what does this mean, things like that, you can ask those questions over there. They'd be happy to answer your questions and help you find where you'd be a best fit, where you're passionate about, and all of those things. But we're, I'm encouraging you. We're encouraging you as a church. Let's all play our part. And it's not that we don't have a great team already and great teams already. But I believe there's more that God wants to do. I believe there's more that God wants to do. And I don't know if you've caught that yet, but I believe there's more that God wants to do. That it's, 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 bigger, than, it's bigger than what we've seen. And it's bigger than where we are. And there are more people that God wants us to reach. And so I encourage you to do that today, to stop by over here on the other side of this curtain, Impact Central, get all the information that you need over there, and, and get on a team. Say, you know what, this next month, I'm going to start serving on a team. I want to be active. I want to be an active participant in what God is doing in this church, and in this city, and in the world. Come on, amen? Here's the second thing, make room. 
Make room. You got to get on a team, and we've got to make room. Here's how we're going to make room. In three weeks is Easter Sunday. Anybody excited about Easter? <laughs> we get to celebrate what Jesus did for us, and I believe that God's already put a word on my heart that we're going to share that day. And on Easter Sunday, uh, to, to be able to make room for everybody on Easter, we're having two services. And so instead of a 10.30 service, we're going to have a 9.30 service, and we're going to have an 11.15 service. And I've been praying about it. God, what do you want us to do? Last, you know, last year we had just, I mean, it was, there were just people everywhere on Easter. What do you want us to do? And, and I believe God said, I want to do two services. Make room for the people that, that are coming. Make room for what I want to do. Make room. And then I, and then I kept praying about it. I mean, you know, sometimes it's dangerous when you keep praying about something. It's like <laughs> praying about one thing and then God starts saying, but what about this? It's like, oh, okay. And then I kept praying about it. And in and, and multiple ways, and people would, somebody would say something to me, and somebody would do this, and I would hear this, you know, in a message while we were at a conference or all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, God, I think you're trying to, I think you're trying to tell me <laughs> what the next step for our church is and how we're going to make room. So here's what we're doing. On Easter, we're going, to, we're going to two services, but on Easter, we're launching two services so from come on <laughs> and here's and here's the reason why the reason why is not it's not anything to do with us the reason why is because there are more people that God wants to reach and we need to make room there are more people that God wants to reach and we need to make room we need to make room there are people that you work with there are people that are in your life there are family members there are all there, there are people in our community that God wants to reach and he wants to use us to reach them but in order to do that we've got to make room we got to make room so I'm inviting you today to begin to serve God by serving people and join a team Become an active part of, of what's going on and what God's doing in our city and what God's doing through our church and all of that. And then I'm inviting you also to pray, to pray with us. That this move of, of going to two services, a 930 and an 1115. So come Easter, there will be no more 1030. We're going to 930 and 1115 so that we can make room for all the, all the people that God wants us to reach, that he wants to know him, find freedom, discover purpose, and then in turn, turn around and make an impact on people's lives. Amen? So in, in your seat when you came in, and some of you might have seen it and thought, I wonder what we're talking about today. But in your seat when you came in, there's a little square card, and on that card it says, one church, two services, and then it asks a simple question. Which one will you attend? And this is the best way that we know how to prepare for what God is going to do as we make this shift and make this transition to make room for more people. And so all we're asking you to do is simply one per person. So let's do it per person. It won't take you but 15 seconds to do it. But if you'll just put your name on there, and down at the bottom it says 930 or 1115, and if you will just circle the service that you would attend. So you think, okay, we're going to two services. Now I have choices. Come on, somebody. We like choices. Can I get a better amen than that? <laughs> do I, do I want to come at 9.30 or will I, will I attend at 11.15? And this is the best way we know how to be prepared for what God is going to do in our church because there's more people that he's calling us to reach, more things that he's calling us to do. There are more people that need to know him. And so we're asking you to just simply fill that out, circle the service time,
that you would be most likely to attend. On your way out today, just drop all of those in the giving boxes. So just find one of the giving boxes, drop it in there, and we'll collect those, and that'll help us be prepared. And here's, here's, the, here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. For those of you that we're talking about teams and tents, enlarging our tent, getting on a team, the cool thing is that no matter where you serve, come on, I want you to hear me, no matter where you serve, you will never miss church. No matter where you serve, you'll never miss church. Because <laughs> here's what we want you to do. Serve one, attend one. Once a month, just once a month, serve one, attend one. I'm going to get on a team, and, and three Sundays out of the month, I'm going to be at church. I'm gonna, this is the service that I think would best fit our family. But once a month, I'm going to serve one and attend one. And if I'm planning on attending the 1115, then once a month, I'm going to show up at 930. I'm going to serve somewhere. I'm going to serve one to one. And this is, I, think it, I, think it is such, I think it is such a cool thing that making this move, not only are we going to be able to reach more people and, and, and help people, more people experience the love that God has for them that you and I experience in this room every single weekend when we come in here. But on the flip side of that, God's saying now nobody ever has to miss church. You don't ever have to feel like, man, I'm serving. And so because I'm serving, I'm missing out on what God's doing. No, no, no. First, first, first and foremost, we don't have to serve. We get to serve. And second, now, now nobody has to miss. <laughs> so you can once a month, I'm a, this is the team I want to join. Once a month, I'm going to serve one, and I'm going to attend one. And I'm telling, you, I'm, I'm telling you right now, watch what God does in our church when we're obedient to him. I think about five of you got it. Watch. <laughs> I'm telling you. Watch what God does. You've already been seeing what God's been doing. But watch what God does when we make it about him and what he's called us to do. Watch what he does through our church in reaching people and transforming lives because of our obedience to him. Our obedience to him. I believe God is up to big things. He's going to do big things. And what could our city and community look like if we kept making room for more people? What could happen in your family or your world of people around you if there was room for people you love to come into an atmosphere of God's presence and love and encounter him in a real way? What, what could happen? What could your family look like and what could your life look like and what could the people around you lives look like if we just made some room? If we just said, God, you're up, to, you're up to big, big things, and I believe there is so much more, and so, God, we're going to make some room, and we're just going to watch what you do. We're going to make some room, and we're just going to watch what you do, and I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. So I'm inviting everyone, if you haven't joined a team, to maybe make that decision today. This is, you know, this is the team. I'm going to get information, and I'm going to get on a team today. I'm going to play my part. I'm going to dive into all that God is wanting to do, and I'm inviting you to grab a hold of the vision that God has for this city. I want to bring the worship team back up. Grab hold of the vision that God has for this city, that it is so much bigger. We cannot, here's what Ephesians 3.20 says, that God wants to do more through us than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And why in the world would I want to limit what God can do through my life when God has so much more in store. 
Why would we want to limit what God can do when he has so much more in store? Will you stand today? God, I thank you. I thank you for what you are doing, for what you have called us here. Every person that's in this room today, what you have called us here to accomplish, the purpose that you have on our lives individually and as a church. God, the impact that we are called to make in this city and the lives that are going to be changed because of our obedience and what you are asking us to do and calling us to do. And God, I thank you right now. I thank you right now that we are going to see bigger and better things than we've ever seen in our lives through our obedience to you. We're going to see bigger and better things that you're going to do through us because of our obedience to you. God, there are more people that you want to reach. There are more people that need to know you. There are more people that, that, that are looking for answers in their lives. And, and, and God, we know that the answer is you. So I pray that you would give us a heart and you would give us a passion and you would give us a desire to be about what you are about. And that is finding, even if it's just one, who doesn't know you yet. Because that's what you did for every single one of us in this room. We're going to sing one final song today. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down. We like to give you the opportunity, if you need prayer for anything in your life, anything that you're going through, anything you just need somebody to agree with you, encourage you, believe with you. Maybe today you feel like, man, this is the day. I just feel like I'm supposed to, I feel like I'm supposed to give my life to Jesus today. Like this is my moment. And you want somebody to pray with you and, and, and lead you through that. Man, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. And so as we sing this last song, if you need prayer for anything in your life, we invite you to come down for prayer. And we invite you to worship. Let's worship him one final time before we leave today. Amen. God, I pray right now you would draw every person who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.